Hello, everyone, and welcome to this special edition of Employment Matters, brought to you by the Employment Law Alliance, the world's largest network of labor and employment lawyers from the best law firms around the globe. I'm your host, Pete Waltz. Today's a special day. It's Tuesday. And on the Employment Matters podcast, that means Travel Tuesday. Each week, we get the chance to dial in our members from all around the world, and they share with us important things we need to know about doing business in their jurisdiction. Today, we're going to be learning more about doing business in Nicaragua. I'm pleased to welcome the show Fabio Batres, a director at BLP offices in Managua, Nicaragua. Fabio, I'm excited to learn more about Nicaragua today, so let's get started. Our audience always wants to know what the country is about from a general overview standpoint. I mean, we know where it is on the map, or at least most people do, but what's the economy like, the population? Just give us a general sense of that, if you would. Okay, thanks for having me, Peter. Nicaragua is the largest country in Central America, and it is a democratic republic. It is inhabited by around 6.5 million people. Geographically, it is divided in regions, departments, and municipalities. The official language is Spanish, though some other languages are also official in the Caribbean region. Each municipality has its own autonomy with a municipal council integrated by councillors and chaired by the mayor. The central government comprises the executive, judicial, legislative, and electoral powers with the executive power led by the president who is elected by popular vote. Nicaragua has a growing economy with both local and foreign investments in different sectors, such as agriculture, livestock, fisheries and aquaculture, telecom, banking and finance, construction, and most recently, a significant development of the mining industry, with Nicaragua leading the sector in Central America with gold exports of about $1.5 million in 2021. Well, it sounds like a lot of things are happening in Nicaragua. Let's dig in deeper on some of these key industries in Nicaragua. Tell us about it. Okay, well, the Nicaraguan economy remains mainly agricultural and livestock, but some other sectors have experienced relevant growth in the recent years, including the textile, construction, tourism, telecom, and mining industries. On the agricultural side, Nicaragua produces sugarcane, corn, rice, beans, vegetables, fruits, and others, while in the aquacultural sector, there is an important production of seafood, including shrimps, lobster, and others. Nicaraguan subsoil is rich in mineral deposits, enabling both the mining exploration and exploitation activities. With about seven mining beneficiation plants throughout the country, Nicaragua has reached record ciphers of about 350,000 gold troy ounces in 2021, becoming the number one export product, surpassing in about $150 million the export of beef, which was export product number two in 2021. Foreign investments in these and other economic fields remain high in Nicaragua, contributing to the creation of employment and welfare of the Nicaragua people. So let's talk about what it's like. You said that there's a lot of export there and people are obviously harvesting the vegetables and the minerals and everything else. There's got to be a lot of foreign investment, but foreign employers also coming to Nicaragua. So let's talk about some of the structural issues when it comes to employing locally in Nicaragua. What do companies need to know about? Sure. The main legal bodies addressing employment matters in Nicaragua are the political constitution, which is from 1987, the labor code from 1996, and several ministerial agreements that are issued from time to time by the labor ministry. No changes have been made in the last 12 months. Employers and HR management sometimes face challenges to adjust policies, practices, and the reality in the workplace when employing locally to a legislation that in some aspects may appear outdated, or insufficiently developed to address issues that could become material for the local operation, 
such as the recent COVID pandemic, in which the lack of a specific regulations derived in the uncertainty of the legality or of the capacity to take decisions to deal with the emergency while trying to keep the business running. Nicaragua does not have EEOC-type federal regulations, but rights to equal conditions and non-discrimination in the workplace and in the hiring process are granted by both the political constitution and the labor code, establishing that employees must earn equal salary for equal work in identical work conditions without discrimination due to political, religious, racial, sexual, or any other reasons. Employees suffering discrimination may use a special procedure before the labor courts to obtain protection of their fundamental rights. With respect to unions, Nicaragua law recognizes the right of employees to associate freely for their exclusive purposes according to their social economic activities and to form unions or professional associations and strongly punishes anti-union practices within a company. Collective bargaining agreements may include additional regulations and rights between employers and unions, and disputes or controversies may be solved at an administrative level before the labor ministry or judicially before the labor courts. So let's talk about the climate in general. I mean, it sounds like there's rules on both sides, but if you had to put them on a scale, would you say that the Nicaraguan business climate leans more towards pro-business or does it tip back towards in favor of employees? What's your opinion there, Fabio? Well, in general terms, Nicaragua's business climate is favorable for investments and for the development of enterprises of all kinds, with a sole legal framework within which companies may be established either as local or subsidiary entities or as branches or offering corporations with laws promoting, recognizing, and protecting foreign investments. The employment relationships are built up upon a number of minimum requirements or standards, mainly established in the labor code and in some other specific regulations. The employment legal system, which includes some institutions as the labor ministry, is designed to ensure that such standards are met and that the rights of employees are respected by employers. In case of doubts or uncertainty on on what legal provision should apply or how a case should be solved, then it is solved in the most favorable way for employees. Therefore, we conclude by saying that Nicaragua has a balanced business climate. On one hand, it facilitates and enables investments in doing business in the country, while on the other, it protects the rights of employees and ensures that employers comply with their obligations. So it sounds like it's a pretty balanced environment, and it seems like a great place for people that want to travel either within the region or outside of the region to maybe house themselves there or work there for another company or even even work in a digital nomad type scenario. Do we have any immigration standards that we have to manage through in Nicaragua? Is it difficult? Is it easy? Are there any special programs we should know about? Well, Nicaragua currently offers a wide range of business opportunities in different sectors of the economy, especially in the energy and infrastructure sectors. The country has a potential of approximately 4,500 megawatts for energy generation from renewable sources distributed by geothermal, hydropower, wind, solar, and biomass sources, while the infrastructure projects include transportation, telecom, water, and health infrastructure. In total, it is anticipated nearly $800 million in infrastructure investment for this year. All these projects entail cross-border business opportunities for which Nicaragua have immigration categories to deal with expats that may need to be moved from their countries to Nicaragua, either as temporary foreign residents or as foreign individuals with work permits which allow them to legally stay and work in the country while the projects are ongoing. 
The process for obtaining these immigration approvals may take from two to four months approximately, and it may be classified as a process with a medium difficulty level. Well, this has been really interesting, Fabio. It's a country, again, that I've, I've seen and I've heard about, and obviously I know you, but I've never visited. So that was a great overview. Thanks so much for spending time with us today. My pleasure, Peter. Anytime. If you'd like to connect with Fabio, you can find his bio by clicking on his name in the description of this podcast. Also visit ela.law to receive invitations to our upcoming webinars, download white papers, get access to on-demand content from our online library, or use the ELA's exclusive Global Employer Handbook. You've been listening to Employment Matters, a podcast brought to you by the Employment Law Alliance, the world's largest network of labor and employment lawyers from the best law firms around the globe. I'm Pete Waltz. Thanks so much for listening.